0: This is Diala Dev, a podcast where I interview developers from all different backgrounds about how they got to where they are, and I'll ask them to share some words of wisdom and maybe even some fun stories. I'm Linda, and on this episode, I do a deep dive into self-education by talking to someone who studied petroleum and industrial engineering before getting really deep into computing. Upon learning about the frontiers of big data and seeing the data challenges firsthand at his industrial engineering job, he decided to pursue software development. And as a true autodidact, he just started searching the greatest repository of resources that exists, the internet. And I hope you get as much value listening to Daniel's remarkable experience as I did chatting with him. I really think that there's some great insights for someone who's job hunting for their first role in software development. So let's get started. Here's Daniel.
1: My name is Daniel Laskoski. I'm going to be a software engineer at State Farm, and this is going to be my first role as a software developer. I became a software developer through the self-taught route and teaching myself different things that I was kind of able to find on the internet. Before that, I was actually an industrial engineer. Tomorrow's my first day. I'm definitely excited to get started and learn what it means to be a software engineer.
0: Great. I'm really excited to talk to you today about your journey. So you studied petroleum engineering and then ended up working as an industrial engineer before deciding to become a software engineer. How did that happen?
1: I initially thought it would be a good idea to become a petroleum engineer because it seemed like I'd be able to travel a lot. But as I kind of worked my way, you know, like, like my junior, senior year, I was kind of like having some doubts. When I graduated, there was actually a downturn in the petroleum market too. So that didn't really necessarily help my or improve my chances of getting a job.
0: And how did you exactly make the jump from being an industrial engineer to software engineer? What really jump-started your interest in becoming a software engineer?
1: I got my master's in industrial engineering. I started that in the fall of 2018 at Lehigh University. I had the chance to take as many courses as I could take that could find in the curriculum that were Related to software engineering. So I was starting to, you know, become curious about the idea of becoming a software engineer in the fall of 2019. That was my final semester at Lehigh. So when I graduated, I kind of had this idea that I wanted to get into software engineering, but I was still kind of just like feeling my way. I was still trying to like, like figure out how I would be able to do it. I knew that I wasn't ready to become a software engineer and I knew that I needed some money. And so I took a role at... Westport Axel to get a job, save up some money and toss around the idea in my head of possibly becoming a software engineer at some point.
0: Awesome. So you were already entertaining the idea before you even graduated. Um, And to give the listeners out there some context, we connected through LinkedIn when you reached out with a bunch of questions about what it was like to be a developer. Um, How many others like me did you reach out to and what was that experience like?
1: I could say from experience that I think LinkedIn has they, they have like a hundred connection request cap that they put on every week. So when I first started, you know, I'd send, uh, you know, I'd max it out. I'd send like a hundred connections per week when I just like in my free time after a hundred are sent out LinkedIn says, okay, you've reached your limit. Like one person actually said to me that like he thought my I was using automated, like, you know, automation software. He basically said like the automation software you're using stinks. It, did, it didn't even do this or this, right? And I was just like, I didn't message him back. He's allowed to say that because I was spamming him, <laughs> but it wasn't really any science at first. I literally, I, I typed in like software engineer in the filter. So like I would pick people that I had mutual connections with because they were more, more likely to um, connect with me. Or if someone was really (laughs) nice to me and and, in the way that like, you know, and they're very helpful in how they answered the question, I would go. And if they, if they had it available to the public, I, or like, you know, to their connections, I would send it to like, you know, like a hundred people per week. And I'd be lucky if I maybe got like five out of those hundred. But once you start getting more mutual connections, it becomes a whole lot easier and people are a a whole lot more willing to accept your uh, invitation.
0: Yeah, that's a common piece of advice I've heard since interviewing people. Just talk to as many people as you can. And it sounds like you really, really made the most of it. Um, on a side note, I often get asked by people who are interested, but they don't know where to start learning, where to start beginning to start the process of becoming a software developer. So where did you start and what made you really uh, kind of get the momentum going?
1: There was plenty of resources out there that are able to sort of get you headed in the right direction. Uh, for instance, one podcast that was very helpful to me was the Code Newbie podcast. And I remember one of the podcast episodes, a person being interviewed mentioned the three things that you should do if you're trying to uh, get a job as a software developer. And three things that he said that he recommended was 100 days of code, get starting a blog, getting involved in tech Twitter. So I did those three things and those were three very good starting points for me.
0: I actually did see your posts on LinkedIn about 100 days of code. Can you really quickly talk about what 100 days of code is?
1: You're agreeing to do something in the realm of computer science and programming for 100 days. Every day you log and document what you worked on, on Twitter or other social media. So like LinkedIn. And by doing that challenge and seeing what other people who are also doing the, challenging, doing the challenge with that hashtag, I could see what the things that they were working on. So that was really helpful in allowing me to get an idea of what skills other people thought were valuable and what sort of resources they're using to work on those skills.
0: That does sound really interesting, and I hadn't heard of that until I actually saw your LinkedIn posts, so how did you figure out what languages or technologies to start with?
1: In terms of what technology and programming languages and frameworks you should focus on, I'll admit that that was pretty challenging. So, because I'd taken a course on Python, I figured it'd be good for me to get into maybe doing some backend work with Django. So, I got a couple books on using Django on the backend. Those books, like they were, um, the style of the books was kind of just like a code along. You know, it was kind of like, here's some code. You type the code you see in the book. You type that into your editor and I'll explain what you need to do to get it set up. And I think it was the book described how to deploy using Heroku, but it wasn't, there just wasn't enough actual exercises involved. So even though I was doing, and I feel like that medium was a book. But even just a lot of the courses that you're going to find on Udemy or YouTube videos, a lot of times it's just learning just doesn't really happen that way, at least for me. And I I like from what I've read, it doesn't happen that way for a lot of people. Learning needs to be much more of a dynamic process. By dynamic, that's just like a fancy word of saying that there needs to be lots of exercises. There needs to be lots of repetition. The people uh, you know, especially me, to really solidify concepts in their mind, they really need to work through problems, and they need to come up with solutions. and They need to get that positive reinforcement from doing the solutions.
0: And I imagine that doing a hundred days of code and also doing other types of interview prep that probably took a lot of your time. So, how did you find time to interview prep?
1: During the week, I would do courses on Udemy. Like I, I would generally just watch them for like an hour or two in the evening. The only time that I really had to work on the course was during my weekends. I would say, okay, my weekends are going to be devoted to working on these courses, and I'm just going to pick off from where I left off. I spent pretty much all day, you know, I'd, I'd wake up around the same time that I would if I was going for work during that day. And I would just eat something and I was just in front of the computer all days. And that was also when the, the pandemic was going on. So uh, people generally weren't going out. So it kind of worked out nicely for me uh, in that, you know, I didn't really have too many distractions and I could just sit in front of the computer and I could just do all the work that I wanted to do to get me moving along towards my goal of becoming a software engineer.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're really focused on your goal and just really determined to dedicate as much time and as many resources as necessary to reach it. And can you talk a bit about what your strategy looked like when you were doing this
1: kind of interview prep? So 30%, you know, recommended working on projects. And then the other 70% recommended just getting good at solving lead code problems. So I went on this website, lead code, and I figured, you know, like, why not give it a shot? And um, this is like, you know, before I probably even started the Java course. And I was just like, <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. And that's, I, I should mention, this is like another important thing too. If you're trying to gain the skills to become a software engineer, you have to make sure that the resources that you're using to get there are appropriate for your skill level. Just from Googling, I saw that a lot of people recommended the book, uh, Cracking the Coding Interview. So I remember getting that book and thinking, here's the book. Here's my ticket to getting a job. I'm just going to start going at this book, and I'm just going to start working through problems, and I'm going to be able to get there. And it didn't work like that because I wasn't ready at that point to do lead code problems or to uh, work on exercises and cracking the coding interview. So that's why I took that job, of course, because it was an introductory course into an object-oriented programming language and worked through the first half of the course, Decided to give LeetCode a shot again. Still couldn't do any LeetCode problems. And I also, um, I, I built, so it took me probably like a month of, like of doing, spending weekends on it to like set, get my blog set up as well. Just quick blog plug, it's Danieliskowski.com, And I used AWS to build it. So I used Amazon LightSail, Route 53, Amazon S3, and it's connected to a MySQL database.
0: I'm really glad that you switched it up a bit and also took a break from trying to learn LeetCode to work on your blog and that you didn't get discouraged by your inability to do these LeetCode problems. And at what point did you finally get over the initial hump of not being able to do LeetCode problems? How did you actually get to doing your first LeetCode problem?
1: After I made it halfway through the job, of course, I said, okay, I still can't do LeetCode problems everyone on Twitter seems to be talking about web development. So I was working through the full stack open course from the University of Helsinki. And I was also keeping track of like, you know, recording everything I was doing on GitHub as well, which I, I feel like is probably like one of the most important things. Coming from like an unconventional like or non-traditional background like I did, it's really important to have everything that you work on on GitHub so that people are able to look at it. But after I completed the full stack open course, I was able to uh, get started with the easy problems on LeapCode. The things that didn't make sense to me in cracking the coding interview earlier in the year, they started to make sense to me. And I was able to start working on both those things as well as then finish the second half of the object-oriented programming with Java course from the University of Helsinki.
0: Yeah, and outside of mastering your coding skills, were there any other parts of the technical interview process that you worked on?
1: Interviews mainly consisted of either behavioral questions, algorithm data structure questions, or system design questions. So I also took a course on educative.io called "Rocking the System Design Interview
0: Gracking the system design interview is a really popular resource and for a lot of junior or entry-level developers, system design can kind of be a struggle because you just don't have enough practical experience yet and a lot of it is theoretical, so it's nice to have some guidelines. What are some lessons you learn from your interview process or interview prepping?
1: So what I've found is it's not really so much the technology that you're learning, just as long as it's not something, you know, extremely outdated like COBOL or something. It's more so identifying and finding courses that are really going to stimulate your mind and get you thinking about how you can solve problems with the technology that's there presented. Because for me, it was all about solving exercises and just lots of repetition. And that was like the, the most important thing for me to, you know, eventually getting enough skills that I could would consider myself job ready to start setting applications and ultimately getting a role as a software engineer.
0: Okay. So when you actually got into the interview process, what were some popular questions that you got asked?
1: The most popular question I was asked was, what's the difference between a relational and non-relational database? For some reason, people just (laughs) really like that question. So if you're listening to this, like my advice is to become pretty good at answering that question. Another good question to be able to know is like, what's the difference between a monolithic system compared to uh, microservices?
0: That's interesting. It's interesting to hear about how interviews can differ so widely because when I was job hunting about a year and a half ago, I don't believe I was asked any of those kind of questions. So uh, it's, it's yeah, that's just interesting to hear your experience. Um, the other thing I was curious about is what was the best way for you personally to apply to jobs?
1: I started sending out applications around January of this year. So this is 2021. I found this, or someone recommended it to me. It was LoopCV. And what it allows you to do is just kind of say, okay, this is my uh, resume and a cover letter. And I imagine that they use web crawlers to, you know, just crawl the different job boards, send them an email that had your your resume and uh, your, your cover letter. Uh, from people that I'd spoke to on, on LinkedIn, some people recommended like doing 200 problems or 300 problems before sending out resumes or sending, filling out applications. Because if one person told me that once you get busy interviewing, you're not going to have too much time to continue to work on getting better at solving algorithm problems.
0: Yeah, that sounds like great advice. And on that note, did you ask any of the engineers you connected with on LinkedIn for referrals? Because personally, I've found that referrals have helped me a lot in the past.
1: From their perspective, they get like another message from the same guy that they're helping out a few months ago. And then he comes back and says, hey, look, uh, here are some links to like some things that I worked on. (laughs) Can you refer me pretty please? (laughs) Uh, But I definitely got some referrals by doing that, but a lot of the the companies that I got the referrals to, uh, it, it still wasn't helping. I still wasn't like getting asked in for interviews from recruiters. So I actually kind of resorted to. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like depressing, and it, it was, <laughs> but I would just spend all day going up and down these job boards, sending out applications. And what I actually found, like, and this is like the, the t- like the sort of like tactic that you have to use. You have to do it all day. And you have to do tons and you have to do it. Just keep doing it like consecutive days. Because what I found is that it's a numbers game. 1% of all the applications that I'd sent out would I actually get someone wanting to set up an interview. But you know, all those 1%, they start adding up.
0: Hey, whatever works for you, right? And it's definitely a numbers game 100%. And given that you dedicated so much time just even trying to get into the recruiting pipeline, did you ever feel demoralized while interviewing?
1: It is demoralizing and you're going to be sitting in front of a computer all day. If you're really putting like your skin in the game and like willing to like go for like the big prize at the end, it's going to be tough because you're not going to have too much time to do other things besides focusing on getting that software engineering role. Like for me, I like going to the rock climbing gym. I like hiking. I stopped doing both those things and it, it was tough for me.
0: Yeah. And after having done a couple of these interviews, it sounds like, you know, everybody kind of goes through this period. So when you were feeling discouraged, what was going through your head? Did you did you have a backup plan?
1: I feel like a lot of times, you know, like the, the thinking of while you're actually working on the problem is, am I going to be successful or you know, am I going to fail in this endeavor? That could kind of distract you from the most important thing, which is being in the present moment and putting a hundred percent of your effort towards you know, fixing that goal. So, you know, when I would fail an interview or where I f- fail a technical round, I just kind of, I didn't have the option to say, oh, this isn't working out for me because I didn't, I no longer had a job. And my only, my next job was going to be as a software engineer. I'd kind of decide that for myself. Like, uh, you know, if, if I didn't do well on, on one interview, you just kind of, get, you know, brush the dirt off your shoulder and get up and just like, you know, say, oh well, I'm going to have another one coming up and I'm just going to keep going at it until I eventually get what I'm working towards, or, you know, if I don't get what I'm working towards, I'll just worry about that when that time comes.
0: That's a great mentality to have. And what was sort of your mantra throughout this whole process?
1: Yeah, you know, I like to think of that, like that child's book, The Little Engine Who Could. (laughs) It's just sort of like that thinking of like, I think I can, I think it can. So, you know, just as long as you have that little like sliver of like, I think that I'm making some traction. I think that I'm headed in the right direction. As long as you have that and you can keep effectively working towards that on a continuous basis, that's just the most important thing.
0: Yeah, I think the message from that book will never get old. It's all about having that grit, that sense of grit. Now, before we wrap up, what advice do you have for someone who might be in the same position you were when you first started your journey, someone who is deciding if they want to pursue software development as a career? And I know that you wrote a blog post, but is there any huge takeaway that you want to share?
1: When I accepted the offer, there was just this feeling, and I was like, yeah, i'm I'm absolutely. I have to write a blog post because, you know, if I can help at least one person, then then I did my job, okay. But someone messaged me on LinkedIn after I wrote that post, and he said that he was an industrial engineer and that he was considering making a career switch over to a software engineering role. And he said that he was having a lot of doubts about the idea. And he said that my blog post really helped him. So I guess my blog post helped at least one person. It was just funny that an industrial engineer as well. So the advice that I could give is it's going to be a long game effort. So, you know, you can't go into it. And I know a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on the internet that you're going to see that people saying that you're going to be able to do it like in a month or two. You have to go into it the mindset knowing that it's it's going to take you some time because I mean these people who are you're competing with to get these entry level roles they you know a lot of them did go to a four year college and they have a degree in computer science and if you think that you're going to be able to consolidate. The information that they learned over a course of four years into you know a couple of months, then it's just kind of like neat naive to think that. So like my, my advice is just to get ready for a challenge, know that it's going to be tough. You know, I can't really speak to what it's actually like working as a software engineer because like I said my first days tomorrow. From what I've read online, people I've spoken with on LinkedIn, it could be a highly rewarding career and there's you know a lot a lot of upward mobility like for me, you know, compared to like industrial engineer pay the pays a lot better. So if it's something that you feel that you're, you're being called to do, then you just got to go out and do it. But like, it's like any like big challenge that you take on in life. And I don't want to, you know, sound too much like, a, like, like, you know, a grandpa, like in a rocking chair, like you, you just got to go in and you just got to, you know, give it your best shot. And you just got to say, okay, I, I might fail. I, I might succeed, but that's okay. Cause I'm just going to be doing it by hundred percent. And that's all right with me.
0: Well, clearly your 500% has paid off since you've landed your first job as a software developer, and thanks so much for taking the time to share your experiences, and I really hope that your first day goes well. Thanks for listening to dial dev If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please send them to dialadevpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.